Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 616. You can also use your face. We've got some jokes for your classroom. We'll explain the face part, and we've got some other resources to go with. So without further ado, here is the wonderful, the magnanimous, Mr. Troy Patterson. All right, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I am well. It is. Uh, it was an interesting week because, as it turns out, both of us had most of the week off. Yes. Yeah. Some by choice. Yeah. So, so we have a short show for you today. So, there you go. So you know. Um, uh-huh. Hey did did you hear the story about the haunted refrigerator? I have not heard the story about the haunted refrigerator. How does it ghost? It's a. <laughs> It's a chilling tale. (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that. Hey, uh, if you get attacked with wordplay. Yes. That's an assault with a deadly weapon. I like it. I like Uh it. uh uh Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm heavily into science and studies show. Cows produce more milk when the farmer talks to them. Oh. Yeah. It's yeah. a case of in one ear and uh-huh. out the udder. Oh, there you go. Uh, just a reminder, don't use double negatives. They're okay. a big no-no. Oh, sure they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, do you know where the IT employee went? I have no idea. We can never find ours. Probably ransomware. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Um, I had a friend who wore dozens of mirrors and no one commented or noticed. It was important that he takes time to reflect. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I was, you know, I've always wanted to try procrastination, but I can yeah. never seem to get around to it. Oh, uh, it's too bad. <laughs> I was going to go on a diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've just got too much on my plate right now. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's uh here's a nice little uh riddle for you. Nice little um math quiz cuz I like to All right. I know how you do with math, so I like to, you know, keep your skills up to date with this. <laughs> yep. There's a challenge right there. Okay. Okay. It's 0 yeah. degrees outside today. Okay. It's supposed to be twice zero. as cold tomorrow. How okay. cold is Multiply. it going to be? Got it. 0. <laughs> <laughs> That's my final answer. What I win. Um, seems like every baker I I meet, yeah, needs dough. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. to be sure. Yeah. Um, I also have a I have a visual joke for you over at middleschoolmatters dot com. Good one. I like this one a lot. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's, I just think it's, it's just wonderful. So 
it's uh, on the highest level of advertising and uh, oh yes, graphic designing, and um, I think it's worth a look. So head over to middleschoolmatters.com and check that out. The other thing that you should check out is, of course, uh, the wonderful Dave Bidlowski. And this week, he's got a fantastic middle school science minute. And this one is on eliciting student thinking. Um, and I, I just think this is wonderful. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is David Lowski of K12science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the January-February 2024 issue of ScienceScope, a publication for middle school teachers from the National Science Teaching Association. And I read the editorial section written by Patty McGinnis, and she wrote an article entitled, Eliciting Student Thinking. And she said, that as an instructional coach, she often observes classes in which the students are compliant, but not engaged. In such classrooms, the teacher is often at the front talking, while students sit at their desk absorbing information. According to Vicki Halsey, author of Brilliance by Design, the best way to move from compliance to engagement is to have learners practicing new skills at least 70% of the instructional time. In other words, less teacher talk and more student talk. When students talk, you gain invaluable insight into what your students are thinking. Eliciting student thinking is a high leverage practice in which the teacher utilizes questions and tasks that encourage and promote student thinking and sharing of ideas. In turn, this practice informs instructional decisions, providing a window into students' thoughts that can be used for evaluating student understanding while helping students learn from each other. There are a multitude of ways to elicit student thinking. Everything from concept maps to asking probing questions for the purpose of generating discussions. Additionally, engaging students in the process of metacognition, thinking about their thinking, can help students self-regulate and become goal-focused. In this way, the teacher becomes a coach, encouraging students to develop strategies in which they set, monitor, and evaluate their learning goals. Key to eliciting student thinking is planning for equitable participation. Rather than calling on hands that are up, use equity sticks or random name generators to vary who you're calling on, or start with small group discussions prior to using a whole class discussion. Increase your wait time to give your students time to think and provide accountable talk stems to help your students build off each other's ideas. Finally, take a step back from being the expert. Allow your students to wonder, to question, and to challenge each other. These simple strategies can make all the difference when shifting your students' compliance to engagement. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right. Um, those higher level thinking um, tasks and questions, uh, just, I think it's what we need to all be about. And um, 
not all the time. <laughs> Remember, mm -hmm. there's balance. There's balance in everything. But too frequently, we never get to the higher level thinking stuff. And so that's kind of why we, that's why we like to highlight that a little bit here. So, um, so as I mentioned, we both, we, well, I had the whole week off. Well, off is kind yes, of did. a relative term. Um, and because I was, I was working. I was just working at home. <laughs> so you're self-employed. Uh, I'm so, yeah, self-employed. Yeah. So I did, I, I painted a couple of rooms, um, my office now, my podcast studio, as it were, is now, yeah, is now painted. Sure. So we got that. The, the other thing that I did this week is uh, I've been meaning to take a look at my personal website, TroyPatterson.me, oh. and to update the theme on that. Uh, and at first I was, um, Mike Muir, I was talking to Mike Muir and I like his website a lot. Um, it's uh, studentlearning.guru, I think it is. And I was like, oh, I really like that. And um, Mike Muir is local-ish. <laughs> if you live in Maine, you're local, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we get the we get the weather for the entire state. I'm just I'm just saying, you know. So, um, so he's local, and I've talked to him several times. I like his, a lot of stuff that he does. So he does presentations, and I frequently go to them. And so I was looking at his website, and it's like I like the layout. And uh, so I, I asked him what theme it was, and he's like, ah, I don't remember. I, you know, somebody did the theme for me. It's like, okay, cool. But you can look up the theme on a site very easily. So I did, and I was like, oh, that's a cool one, and. Um, it's actually designed as kind of a restaurant theme, but it really works for, for him. So it's like, you know, maybe I should do something like that. But then it's very graphical, very, has a lot of nice photos. But then I realized that he uses photos of like him presenting at conferences and they're really nice. There is a problem here though. I do not have a lot of photos of me presenting at conferences. Oh. I I am not famous. <laughs> and, you know, the uh, I had very few people show up the last time I presented at a conference. Um, so I don't have a lot of those photos. And as, you know, as delving into it, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't have that. So I went back and I looked and um, I looked at a, a variety of themes and I had a couple of themes involved and in, in themes installed. And this is just a, um, this is kind of a public service announcement as well. One of the things that you should do is you should not have a bunch of themes that you don't use installed because that can become a security issue with those. So I went through and I deleted a bunch of themes and, but I checked out a bunch of themes as well. One theme was like, this one's not even going to show you what it is. It's like, ooh, that's not good. So I deleted that one. 
and um, I use WordPress and there's kind of two themes, mm -hmm. two methodologies in WordPress. Number one is you get an entire blog post, which is what I like. Number two is you get a summary, which is built off of the summary and usually an image. And then you have to click on it to get the whole blog post. And one of the things that I found is historically, I have not been terrific at writing the uh, writing good summaries. I have been doing much better lately, and it's a skill that I intend on improving even more. But personally, when I click on the site, I like to see the whole thing. I don't want to click again. So I decided to not pick any of the themes that use the summary um, and instead picked the theme that has a, uh, it gives you the full blog post. And the one that I ended up picking, I really, I like, it's not hugely different, but it's different enough that I like it. So I did, um, I did do a little website update, um, which no one will notice except me. And I recognize that and that's okay. Um, but I do want to say that uh, just partly this is a reminder that every once in a while, take a look at uh, number one, I hope that you that you have a website and you own all the material because, wow, um, we're just finding out that a lot of this stuff can go away real quick. Um, and it's best if you own it and it's really not that hard. But then every once in a while, take a look and update it. Um, go ahead and delete the themes you're not using. Delete the plugins that you're not using just to help keep us all safe. So um, I'm not even going to quiz you about whether you noticed the uh, big the, the change or not on, on my website, Sean, because I know what the answer would be. <laughs> so... Um, so I had the, the week off and those are some of the things that I did. Um, you had a couple days off. I did. I had two days off. Monday and Tuesday was good. It was good to have those days off. So, uh, and the students had those days off. So you got they a did. chance to relax and chill and unwind and sit around twiddling your thumbs. No, I spent it uh, is, working on uh, Moodle. <laughs> which is not what happened at all. No, not happened at all, no. John no, always and has a when, lengthy list of things to do. I do, and I got more. Things I didn't, things I've not attacked, I need to attack. Uh, and I keep adding to my list like a, um, it's an addiction, I think. Because I know I shouldn't, and I do. I just add more stuff to it. Yeah, and then added something more. There'll be an announcement coming soon. Um, mm -hmm. um but yeah, added to my list. And then um uh, but I did I worked on some uh some of the stuff where I found some more uh simulations for the patient care technician course. And oh. um they've been going over very well. And apparently the state of Michigan, Michigan Department of Education, likes those simulations a lot. So I'm gonna wow. add in some more where appropriate. So um, I did, I, and to be honest, I, this is all open source. I did not create these simulations. I went and found them on open source uh, places. And um, 
yeah, it's just uh, it's just putting him in the right places now, getting him set up for the uh, the person who teaches that course. I don't teach that course, and uh, but I'm getting good feedback from her. She really, really likes the simulations, and she does them together with the kids, and then gives them feedback on their their uh, process, thinking process as they're going through it. She gives them feedback right away and says, "All right, now this is what you said, but this is what we should do, and here's why." And I think that's the perfect way to use it. Cool. Um, we're going to, and with some of the AI stuff that's out there now, maybe we'll take some of that stuff and start turning it into, uh, some, uh, a database of questions that can be used based around it. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to play with there. There's, of course, there's always more, right. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff there to, to work on. So that's interesting to me. And, um, cause this is something you've developed using open source. And yes, all of it, hundred percent. Right, and then the state could pick that up, and any state could pick that up if they knew where to find it. <laughs> That's ironic because apparently my district is, let's say, giving it to the district next door. <laughs> is my understanding, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah. Yeah, okay. that's uh, yes, that very well could happen. Yes. So, and then you had teased an announcement coming soon. Yeah, I haven't told you about it yet. Okay. Um, well, one of the things that you have also teased is the Michigan History Student Projects. Yes, <laughs> you shared with me. Yes. The, I hope you don't mind sharing everywhere that I don't mind. it's important to check how a website works. Sometimes, like if you're doing registration, let's say. Oh, it's um, yeah. <laughs> so the best laid plans. So we talk about how there's a disconnect between sometimes between uh, the people who write things and the people who do things, and so the. Right. Uh, state of Michigan told all the regions that they now have to include the process paper. Like basically the process paper is how did you go about creating your project? It's very simple yeah. to do. Kids did it real easy one day. The harder part was creating bibliography. And I gave them the website, easy bib. I said, use this, use easy bib, make it work. And I guess they did. Cause I, I don't know if they did. Cause I was sick that day. I had a doctor's appointment that day. And the reason that uh, we had to do it that day was because uh, this, uh, they, they now require the process paper and the bi- uh, bibliography to be submitted at the same time as registration. And I very foolishly let the kids talk me into letting them have time to work on their presentations for their social studies class. Right. And I would give them help. And I would, it, was, it wasn't like a thing where I sat back and just let them go. I, I, I gave them help. I walked them through some things, helped them overcome some obstacles or think through some obstacles. And, uh, but I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I should have stuck to my plan so that I could have had enough time. So we were literally cutting it right down to the wire. And when we went to register, there wasn't anything in the website that says, take your process paper and your bibliography and insert it here. Right. So we went through, we filled out the application, you know, we, we applied and all of us got our stuff done. It was fine. Friday, we made it by the deadline, <laughs> by the skin of our teeth, but we made it by the deadline. And then we got an email saying, um, you didn't include your process papers or your bibliography, so we have to eliminate you from the, the thing. So we begged and pleaded for some extra time, also stating, 
you know, we didn't see anywhere on the application where we had to upload that or, or attach it. And after some back and forth, uh, the, uh, between the regional coordinator and the state, they had to admit, yeah, yeah, there, there isn't a place for you really to do that. So we're going to give you some more time to either do it or just email it to the, to the coordinator and she can fix that problem. Uh-huh. So my kids emailed it to the coordinator and she had 24 um, documents to, or no, it was, shouldn't be 24, but yeah, well, she had attached them to 24 applications. So um, yeah. Um, we had that, you know, the best laid plans, but somewhere down the line person saying, Hey, we need this. Didn't use the right terminology or didn't express things right. just right. And so that disconnect got created. Now we're very, very fortunate because state of Michigan originally was telling her, sorry, they screwed up. And it's like, no, I don't think we did. Um, and she talked them into letting us, you know, bring the kids anyway. So yeah, the side, downside to that is now I've got to make plans to take 24th graders and maybe parents and more to to a field trip on Saturday. By the way, there won't be a show next week. <laughs> right. Good. And that'll know. be why. And that'll be why. Yeah. All right. Um, one of the other things that you shared this morning, which cracked me up, um, there's a lot of things I like about Moodle. One of those things is that you occasionally get, that you get a lot of reporting. And um, you had a student who had a 10-question quiz to take, correct? Vocab. 10 questions. Vocab quiz. And these are not like, um, these are not Mm open-ended, write 10 pages kind of questions. Drag and drop. Drag and drop. Don't even have to type anything, just drag and drop. <laughs> just pick this, put it there. Um, yep. which I yep. love that. And this student spent what seems to be an extraordinary amount of time on drag and drop questions. Yes, I should also mention that the student feels very, very familiar and comfortable with me. Um <laughs> and so he emailed me. I didn't share this part with you. He emailed me and says, because I wasn't there on Friday, um, he emailed me and said took a screen screenshot. And said, of course, it's another 10. It's like, you know, okay. And then I went into reports because pushing the grades over from MyStar or from Moodle into MyStar isn't working 100%. It's dropping grades. So I had to go in and I had to hand transfer some grades. So I'm going in. His name came up and I was like, oh, okay. So I went to, I know it's a 10 but I put his name in to sort through the grades. Anyway, I just put his name in there and it popped up. And I noticed that the time on task indicator said that he spent four hours and some minutes on the task for answering 10 questions. <laughs> he started at eight o'clock in the morning and he finished at one Oh five PM. <laughs> and so I, I took a little screenshot of just his little, little snippet there and sent it to him. And I said, please explain. I haven't gotten a message back yet. But I'm looking forward to Monday when I can have this little chat with him and go, tell me about why it took four hours to answer 10 questions. Four hours. Yeah. You know, that full as, you know as well as I do, he was looking at the questions going, okay, I got four hours now. I'm just going to go over here and dictionary.com. Help me out. So we'll see what happens. But um, 
He's a That's he's funny. a sneaky little guy. I wouldn't put it past him. But I'll give him props for but problem solving. He did he and he did well on the quiz, correct? Oh, every time. <laughs> I just I just love that. He's so, not wrong. It was another 10. Yeah. 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 Now ask me about every other assignment he does. Yet yeah, no. <laughs> no, there are no 10s. No. So, um, oh, you're we funny. also discovered today uh, that uh, we have, between uh, us, we have one MoodleNet celebrity. No, there's two. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's not me. <laughs> but MoodleNet now has a leaderboard. Yeah. Who, who knew that they had a leaderboard? I, I did not. Today. But I'm not... An, a MoodleNet celebrity either. Um, <laughs> and um, either. I can tell you that, that Sean is in the top 15 of uh, MoodleNet contributors. Yeah. Uh, he's in the top 15 of exceptional contributors leading the way. And Moodle um, Academy is one of those, by the way, which seems to me a little uh, unfair. It does, doesn't it? But yeah. Okay, whatever. So, um, so I, yeah, I, I, so I didn't know there was a Moodle leaderboard. Yeah, I knew there. this is new. I knew they were making changes, but I didn't know they do that. I just, I think I'd like to reframe it though with a little different focus. I'd like to say that I'm the bottom third that makes the top two thirds possible. How's that? Yeah, at least you're on the leaderboard. I'm not even on the leaderboard. You know, you're probably I'm, 21 because they I'm go to 20. Scruff. You're you're 21. You're just a couple more posts or submissions, and I'm sure you're in there. I'm, and I will tell you, you know, you should come on and join us because it has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. So I kind of feel like. Um, I kind of feel like uh, I'll get smart. I feel like Maxwell Smart missed it by that much. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> Which I have no idea how much I have missed being on the leaderboard by. I know. I mean, I can tell I'm probably a good ways away because if I look at my points versus what the points are needed to be there. Um. I'm a good ways away from it. So, you know, it is, but it is what it is. Um, they, they need to, they could do a better job of PR of publicizing what they're doing. So, you know, it is yeah. what it is. So, um, maybe they should get out on the social web and get a little of that PR oh. going there. Well, yeah. Yeah, and actually somebody who's really good at PR on the social web is Robert Scoble at Scobalizer. Um, now, he refers to anybody who has an Apple Vision Pro as the cult, right? So he has the cult of the of the Vision Pro. It's his own moniker, and um, heh, unfortunately it works. Um, he, he, but this he, is, does like, he does like the PR stuff, though. He does like attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does very much like attention. Yeah, well, he is to technology what Larry Ferlazzo is to um, ELL 
resources. There you go. How's Ooh, that? I'm gonna have to think about that. Yeah, because this is it's just been prolific. Um, yeah. With uh, he's doing everything on the Apple Pro or mm. Vision Pro, um, and I'm following him because I'm finding some new things. There's a couple. There's one piece of software that I'm very interested in, and that is one where he's uh, doing or he's finding wire mesh AI builds of locations geographic locations on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that would be cool because then I could take my kids to these different places because I can connect my headset to my Apple TV that's connected to my Promethean. This is like the, the, the six degrees of separation technology, right? I can use this connected to that to get to there. And then I can use <laughs> it for this. Uh-huh. Um, yes. Okay. The recipe and then bake it for how many minutes? Um, anyways, so when you first do the cult in this post, he's talking about anybody who's got an Apple Vision Pro. The cult can run it all, quote, Brad Lynch um, from Sadly It's Bradley, or at Sadly It's Bradley. My Windows PC, MacBook Pro, and Steam Deck all streaming their desktop views to my Vision Pro all at once. Wow. And this alongside native apps that are also decoding their own video streams. The M2 chip never ceases to impress me. And there's a little video in there. I don't know if I put the link in there or not, but um, no. that's, uh, I'll have to find it really quick then. Uh, that is uh, fairly amazing. Um, and that could be the new uh, media or um, consumption device. If we have, if our kids have a split focus now, can you imagine what the kind of split focus that would be with all those feeds coming in at once? Yeah, and that this really interests me because I hadn't I hadn't heard this before, but that that changes some things. I think it's it's interesting. I got to think about I got to think about how that would scale and be used. But that is interesting to bring all of these different devices together into one kind of universe kind of thing. So, yep. This is a side note, but one of the things I've noticed with some people who've been doing productivity things on it is they're having their iPad apps open in the Vision Pro using their Mac interface, and they're literally cross or they're intersecting the data or whatever they produced on their iPad with whatever they're doing on their Mac desktop, and it's a seamless connection. So taking from one and putting it into another. It doesn't matter what the application is. They're just being being able to and click and drag, drag and drop. That's interesting, the- too, because Apple has set that up so that you can do that without the Vision Pro, right? You can just you right. know, set your iPad next to your Mac, and you can even use the mouse to, to go back and forth. But the experience, I'm going to guess, is very different. I, yes, I've not done it myself, but imagine with all of these different things here, the Windows PC, the MacBook Pro, and the Steam Deck, yeah. and you're able to do that. You're able to pull in. So what if the the new technology interface hub for everything is the glasses you're wearing on your face? Yeah. Well, and that's been what people have been positing for a while. The The, the criticism has been that it's goggles, not glasses, right? I think everybody right. wants something that's much closer to what Google Glass was than 
what the Vision Pro is. They want they want the construct of the Google Glass, i.e. just a pair of glasses, but they want the ability of the Vision Pro, which is not ready, which, you know, is if Apple can't shrink it down to a pair of glasses, then I'm not sure it's ready to be shrunk down to a pair of glasses yet because they got a lot of they got a lot of money and a lot of people who are really smart. So I did see a mock-up of something that's coming out or projected to come out here in the next couple of months. And it is, it's like a thick pair of navy glasses. So I had a my band director was an ex-Marine um band member and of course, he got all of his, he, get, he retired from the Marines. And so he got full VA benefits and services. And his glasses were those thick black Navy glasses. He's like, I don't care what I look like. He's, you know, he says, I'm married. I got however many kids. He says, I'm not out to impress anybody with my looks. Mm-hmm. Fine. He, and he was a tough Marine. I, you don't argue with him. I still don't to this day. And, um, but he wore those thick black army or navy issued glasses which look just fine there's nothing wrong with them just that's the look i'm trying to describe but it had Mm -hmm. that look but the 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 arms that came off the lenses back around the ears had a large circle dot or not large circle and that's where the power was on one side and the computing thing was on the other side and it was supposed to be able to project information onto the lenses um something useful that you could use when you're walking around or whatever. Um, but like that, they're saying that that's kind of the, where this could go. We'll see. That would be, yeah. that would be impressive. You know, I think people would definitely buy that because people doing that really aren't going to be hearing a whole lot about their looks either. Right. They're looking about uh, it's the information that's important. I mean, imagine if you and I had had something like that in China, what we could have done with that. Right. And I think that a lot of times, you know, that would, that can very quickly become cool as well. I mean, we might think it's ugly now, but it's like, it's like the ear pods from Apple. It's like everybody thought that um, there, there was a lot of, not everybody thought, there's a lot of criticism that it's like, you have these things dripping out of your ear. It looks ugly. And then suddenly it became a, not only is it acceptable, but it became like a, almost a cool thing. So, yep. you know. Speaking of cool things, Megan Basham at Meg Basham has discovered, I think, maybe a cool thing. Uh, she posted, I just saw a candle at Nordstrom named Boy Smells. And I don't have any sons, but my understanding is that this would not be a good candle. <laughs> <laughs> I would <There> concur. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any boys either, but I don't have any sons. But having been a boy, mm, yeah. Mm. I've got a whole bunch of boys, fifth and sixth hour, <laughs> you know, after beans and weenies day at lunch. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what the candle smells like, I think she's right. Uh, John and Ehrlichman, Ehrlichman. Let's go Ehrlichman at John Ehrlichman. Uh, here's a quote I thought might be useful in class this week, like advisory. Uh, if you want to be successful, I would encourage you to grow a tolerance for failure. 
And that's a quote is from NVIDIA, NVIDIA, NVIDIA CEO, Jensen Huang. And we were just talking about him this morning in the pre-show. And uh, yeah, um, he was, if you're going to fail, fail fast, but mm-hmm. don't be afraid of failure. And I think sometimes we're also afraid of that in education. I was thinking about some of the things that have or haven't been tried in school this year. And people that have that just been adverse to being failing at anything or trying something because of failure. And so they just stick with what they have. And I was like, no, no, we need to try this. Just see if it works. And, and I'm currently reading um, Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. And one of the things, the, the basic premise of the book is, uh, if I can boil it down, is don't be afraid to fail. Fail, learn from the failure and, and move on. That's how you learn faster and deeper. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I remember talking to the tech coaches um, long ago, uh, hi, Amy, and saying, um, you know, don't be afraid to fail. And they were so afraid to fail. And at one point she came and she said, well, I failed. And it's like, yay. <laughs> and um, I think it was a learning moment for her, too, that it's okay to fail. You mm-hmm. need to fail. And um, I think that's one of the things we don't enculturate with our kids is it's okay to fail, learn something from it. That's how you grow. That's how you get better um, and learn now. And, uh, and it can really help out. And one of the things in the book is about learning language. And one of the points he makes is when we're learning a language, you tend not to want to say anything until you know what you're saying. But the people who learn languages really fast dive right into it. They make mistakes and people laugh at them and then um and and <laughs> you know then but they learn quickly yeah. and then they get it right. You know? We had a lot of fun doing that with Chinese. I can't say that I learned a lot of it, but we had a lot of fun doing that with Chinese. Yeah. Well, I, that's one of, that's something that I've identified that I need to do better. I got to be less afraid of making a mistake and just, you know, going for it. So that's something I'm working on. Uh, speaking of going for it, Katie mm-hmm. Powell at beyond underscore the underscore desk. Um, she says that she swears this is not a paid promotion for boredom busters, but at Rimney AP Gov uh, just delivered the best elevator summary of the book I've ever or I've heard. Uh, give this podcast a listen, especially if you're into the use of games in your classroom. Um, she's got a book called Boredom Busters. It's a really good book. She also has uh, Frustration Busters, which I need to spend more time in because uh, I think there's probably good ideas in there that I could use. Yeah. Uh, and we're looking at possibly uh, bringing uh, Katie back to Mamsie. And um, so I've included also a, by the way, link in there because I'm working on a walk-up song for her maybe. So if you click the link, <laughs> let me know what you think. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we can get her to come. All right. This yep. is for you. Post from the National Park Service. Tip. As you walk down the trail, use a stick to make first contact with spider webs. You can also use your face. Do what feels right. <laughs> Good advice. That's right. Uh, Ruth Buzzy. Ruth underscore A underscore Buzzy. Good advice here, I think, maybe. Some people. 
I carry a stone on my purse to throw at anyone who sings Christmas carols in February. I call it my Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, I like that. And there you go. Um, and then uh, we start with Robert Scoble. We'll close it out with Robert Scoble at Scobelizer. Uh, we can go anywhere instantly soon. Quote, uh, Daniel, we're going to go with Peaky or Picky. Pickle? Um, P-I-K-L. Is it an L? Oh, it's it an L. is. Uh, pickle. All right. Daniel Pickle. Uh, better sounding tasting. Anyway, um, I wasn't sure what a picky was, but okay, cool name. Pickle, though, was very practical. That, that's, that makes more sense. Um, okay. So uh, what he did was he put a link into a beautiful cathedral in Zagreb, Croatia, presented in, I'm going to go with NERF. It's N, lowercase e, R-F, with at Luma Labs AI. And I'm thinking that that's maybe something that could be useful in, in the classroom, dragging or uh, dragging, bringing in uh, those types of things. And saying, uh, all right, we can't go to Europe, but let's use this and take a virtual field trip. And let me let me guide you through this. Now, mm -hmm. granted, it's one person in a headset right now, but there are there are talks that uh, you know this would be a shared experience headset thing coming up. I guess the software is in there; it's just not been turned on. But can you imagine taking kids on a virtual field trip and then walking through a place together, and you can't lose anybody? You don't have to have that rope with the loops on it. Yeah, and I think you've been actually looking forward to this for quite a while. I think you, I thought about wanna... building it, but this could be easier. Well, I mean, I, I we can go back through the shows, and we've done like over six hundred of them at this point. Um, in fact, uh, right about six hundred sixteen, thanks to the numbering <laughs> system here. Um, You've also, you've also, you've talked about visiting the pyramids, taking the kids to visit yeah. the pyramids, taking the kids to visit the things go. that just, you know, for a long, long time. And it seems like we keep getting closer and closer and closer to that. And at times I thought we were just about there, like when the Google Cardboard came out, but then that kind of fizzled. So um, I don't know if it, really fizzled or if it just fizzled in the PR cycle, but I haven't read a <laughs> surprise. I think Google killed that. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, they did, uh, <laughs> which makes me sad, but I wonder if something, so ISTE's coming up in June. I'm not going this year, um, but I wonder if there will be something at ISTE centered around AI yeah. and virtualization like this. And I wonder if somebody comes back with, Hey, Google had a good idea. Let, maybe it's poor execution. Let's see if we can't do something about it or with it. And if they don't bring something back, I'm I'm very curious to see if there's something in the in the works for that because there's. I was watching Matt Wolf this morning in his uh, his weekly AI uh, video cast on YouTube. There were 15 announcements on different kinds of AI things. Everything from text summarizers text generators to text responders to uh, people making video or putting in prompts to create video as uh, b-roll for some of the things that they're doing um, there's just so many different things to be done with this and I'm wondering if if we can't get on board with that and say look for a couple of reasons one is help the kids discern between real and 
artificial, but also then use the artificial to say, all right, so this is a representation of the real thing. Understanding that first, second of all, let's go in and examine it. Uh, Robert Scoble did do a post that I didn't include here, but there, there is a way, and I don't know, I'm not going to download it. I don't want to see it. It looks weird. It would freak me out. It does. Every time I looked at his photo again today about it, what you can do though, is you can turn it into a mode where the, or there's an app where the, the vision pro will show you the mesh, um, the, the, the mesh overlay from the LIDAR sensors that where it recreates your room. Yeah. So it knows where everything is and how the sound is going to work. And, um, but also creating the visual for you so you don't hurt yourself. I mean, with the Oculus, you have to create the border. With this, it says, you don't worry about that. I'll create the border. I'll, I'll protect you. Don't worry. And mm-hmm. it, it does. I mean, if I look down, if I'm sitting in my chair in the in the living room and I look down, the armrest is too close to the thing. It'll say, no, you're near an object. You need to watch out. <laughs> I'm sitting down. I'm in a chair. I'm okay. It's the armrest, but that, it's not worried about that. It's worried that that object is now too close for me and that I might, right. it's protecting me. I, I get it. Um, but I'm wondering if, you know, um, that mesh overlay is very interesting to see how it sees the world, but it knows where the ceiling is. It knows where the floor is and it knows what the objects are in the room. That could be interesting as well. Yes. I think. Yeah. So, All right. Anyway. Um, so one of the, we're going to move into strategies now. And one of the things that I found this week is on, um, on reader's response. And, um, this, this is to me, I think is kind of fundamental. Um, it's about how Getting kids to respond to reading is just so important for um, for learning. Um, and you know, a lot of times, the when readers are engaging with text, their thinking is silent and invisible. So we don't know if they're doing good cognitive strategies or not. Uh, and a lot of times, kids are like, "Well, I read it." <laughs> okay. You read it, but did you pay attention while you were reading it? <laughs> did you do anything with it when you were reading it? You know, um, but for mm-hmm. a lot of kids, they think that, quote, reading is learning. And their definition of reading is, you know, their eyes wandered over the letters on the page. Right. Yep. Um, so we we really got to teach them to do something with that. Um, and so this is a reminder, and this is from Middleweb, uh, about getting kids to respond to reading, um, and getting them to formulate responses. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in writing. Um, it can be in, um, can be in terms of conversations as well. So you can do those. The important thing is to get kids to do something with that text, to process that text, to interact with it, to emotionally connect with it somehow. Um, So I think this is a nice little write-up about that. 
And there's lots of ways that you can do that. There's lots of ways in Moodle that you can do that. You can have book discussions. Um, there's lots of ways you can do that face-to-face, uh, -face, having literal book discussions. Um, you know, you can just have kids do something with the text as well. So uh, just a reminder that for a lot of kids, they think that reading is a very passive uh, activity. Again, their eyes skimming over a page is what they consider reading. And we've got to add the thinking part for them in there. So, all right. Um, I talked a little bit about the video service that I have made available for teachers. Um, last week but i wanted to remind um want to remind teachers and educators about teach flicks which is um a resource that's available for all teachers um, and it is uh, from uh ditch that check that textbook um, Matt Miller. It's full of free teacher resources, including teaches, teaching ideas, templates, tech tools, and more. Um, so just a reminder that TeachFlix is out there. When you go there, it'll say like, you know, you can search for something if you want um, by typing in something. They have a who's watching elementary, middle school, high school. You can browse by content area. Um, so if you're looking for specific things, you can click on that. Um, and, you know, they give you a just a, a bunch of ideas and a bunch of um, things that are available. A lot of these are very short as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they're they're like things you can use very targeted in a very targeted way um, and we've talked about this before but it's been a while i think it was show 563 that we talked about it last time oh <laughs> i remember that show i remember that show it's a good show it's a good show i only know that because of hypothesis <laughs> so which again, yeah, me too. I, 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 I am aware that I am the only one who likes hypothesis. That's that's true, but you know it's there. All right. Um, sometimes you need a good poem. Oh, do you ever? Do you ever? And um, there is a poet's corner which has 50 classic poems read by 12 celebrities. Um, and those uh, celebrities include Morgan Freeman, Jodie Foster, Gary Sinise, Glenn Close, uh, Helen Mirren. Um, and they are all linked, uh, listed and linked on the, the YouTube um, video so you can jump right to it it is uh, over an hour and a half of videos but like i said the videos are all um, laid out um, 
right there. There. Uh, so if you're looking for something specific, you can click on the time code and go right to the time code. Um, I think it's a great resource. I think kids need to hear good readers, good reading examples, and this is one way that you can do that. So you can pull that out and um, have that play for them and and use that, or you know, you can have them select things as well and see how they see what they like, and they can share their uh, experience with that. Um, all right, Carl Sagan. You are familiar with Carl Sagan's work, correct? Yes, he never met a large number he didn't like. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, well, one of the additional things is he's known for a lot of scientificness, and um, over on the wonderful the marginalin marginalin marginalian um, site, easy for me to say by Maria Popov Popova. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing me. well with this. It's already been a long day. Um, she's uh, she points out the there's a chapter called the fine art of baloney detection, and it runs through um, some of the things that uh, Carl Sagan calls the baloney detection kit, a set of cognitive tools and techniques that fortify the mind against the penetration of falsehoods. And there's a lot here. Um, so these are things that you could use as a good jumping off point. And you could go into depth with all of these. Um, and and he, he argues that the kit is not merely a tool of science, but it's they're valuable tools for healthy skepticism. And I just think in our, um, our role as edu educators is to really help kids think and think um, – critically and independently um, and, you know, try to remove as much of that bias and baloney as possible. So he goes through nine tools. Then after the nine tools, he goes through 20 of the um, most common and, uh, and pernicious baloney um, um, powers out there. Those are those, the, ow, those are the, um, you know, the things you need to look out for, the ad hominem, the argument from authority, the appeal to ignorance, um, and, and just so much more. Um, so you can go through these. These are this is just a great resource. You can build off of this. So like he lists the straw man and gives you a little bit of it. But you can also go to other resources if you look up straw man or if you have kids look up straw man and do a presentation on what is the straw man um attack. Um then you can uh fully flesh that out and let the kids flesh that out 
And again, let the kids do the thinking here. So have them take this and, and kind of run with it. So um, you might also want to know what's going on in the uh, culture, with culture. And um, so let's turn it over to Sean for the culture generator. Yeah. So Axis, Axis, the culture translator has got a, they have a number of things. I only picked up three of them this week, but it's, there's a check full of lots of really good things in there. So if you are interested in those things, pop over and uh, sign up for the newsletter that uh, comes out on Friday. Uh, and this Friday, the, they had a couple of very interesting things. Um, Tween Shopping Network was one of the articles that was uh, was interesting. And what it is, is uh, it's a, there's a new piece in The Cut. They interview several tweens to get a feel for Generation Alpha's attitudes on shopping, screen time, and skincare. Why it's surprising is that in a follow-up radio interview with WNYC, writer Casey Lewis observed that much of the conversation uh, focused around today's tweens, characterizing them as TikTok-addled Stanley hoarders eager to accumulate expensive uh, athleisure and adding yet another layer of acidic uh, serum to their skincare routine every night. Uh, perhaps there's some truth to that stereotype, but the middle schoolers uh, Lewis talked to, uh, Troll, Sephora, and Lululemon as browsers more than buyers, and their fashion mm. staples skew towards the sentimental. A band tee from the from a first concert, a used pair of low-rise jeans, and a friendship bracelet made uh, from a kit found at Five Below ranks as treasured possessions. The whole piece pushes back on the assumptions about tweens, with one exception. Young people continue, for some reason, to totally shun coats. It's interesting because we've noticed in my building that a lot of teens are wearing band shirts from the 70s. And one of the teachers on my team will ask them to name one of the songs that that band played. And they shake their heads and laugh because they don't know any. Right. And she'll name a couple songs. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so this has become a test, not for the kids, but for the teacher. Can I name five songs from? <laughs> so she, yeah, well, the teacher ends up doing, doing all the work. So she's having them come in. And if they wear if they wear one of those shirts and they can't name a song, they have to come in the next day or have to come in sometime or the next time they wear it. And they have to sing even just part of the song, but they have to sing one of the songs from that band. So um, she's having a lot of fun with it. The kids are too, because they'll wear them again, but they'll go, then they go look up a song because, you know, it gets them in, into looking up some of that stuff, but otherwise they're wearing shirts. They, it's like uh, English in, in Japan and China, you know, they might put the mm -hmm. English words on there, but they have no idea what they mean. Um, and that's kind of what the kids are doing is they put the band shirt on because the band, the logo looked cool. They have no idea what it says or what it means. So that's, we're having fun with that. New shade. Nobody casts shade on this podcast, but we'll that's talk right. about it. That's right. So here's what it is. The term, she's not a girl's girl, has evolved into a layered and low blow, with some even saying that it's now the internet's worst insult. Fa uh, failing to be a, or falling, sorry, to be a girl's girl is leveled as an insult. The concept becomes a cruel way for women to police each other's behavior. Ironically, a heavy emphasis on the girl's girl can be made or can make girlhood even more complicated and confusing. 
and they have a link to uh, some more uh, complex uh, social hierarchies um, of Gen Z on a video called uh, a seven minute video on what they call mean girls and the power of words. And I post a link to that in the show notes. This is really, right, so, this is, this is really depressing and, and frustrating. Yeah, it is, you know, okay. So well, this, yeah, this is one of the hardest things that we dealt with in past years and I hope we were through it and, and now it's back, but I hope it's not well, back. I hope it's not back at all. Yeah. And it, it's just so disappointing because there's, there's, uh, you know, so much research and so much emphasis on the, you know, people just being who they are and not fitting into a role of the girl's girl or the boy's boy. And so much damage is done when kids are trying to fill in those roles. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I do a project of my kids on artificial intelligence and where they debate the pros and the cons and artificial intelligence made access to culture translator this week. Uh, they called the article who's watching and here's what it is. AI monitoring tools may be able to detect some red flags for teens who are at a higher risk for suicide. Some re some researchers have expressed concern. And the reason is that the AI confuses the mental health issue with a social behavior problem as mm -hmm. in like fighting or, you know, some other thing. Um, and so it reports it as a disciplinary issue instead of a mental health issue. So it's a matter of the AI behaving like a middle schooler who can't interpret emotions and things on people's faces. So who knew that AI <laughs> is exactly yeah. at the same uh, frontal lobe level as a middle schooler, which I find ironic. Well, but we keep attributing human humanness to AI, which, which is one of those reasons, like I don't like hallucinating. Right, because it's not hallucinating. AI doesn't understand emotions or so much of those human issues. Um, it it just doesn't. It's you know it does really well with fill in the next word, but it doesn't have. It's not human. So we'll see. Hey, um, also on AI. Yeah. Uh, Khan Academy has an AI Ooh. aspect to it. I think this is only a paid version and it's called Conmigo. It's a Ooh. chat GPT powered um, bot. And when doing math tutoring, yeah, made tons of mistakes, Oops. frequent calculation errors, frequent, um, frequently getting the construct incorrect so uh be aware uh of uh just using ai you know uh helter skelter here um because a lot of time it's wrong what isn't wrong though is checking out weird old books no that's not weird at all no. And um, there is a weird old book finder. Oh, cool. You can check out. I have um, right now. And 
it, you can you type in your query so you can look for anything and these are uh, I don't know how else to describe it but they're old books oh. <laughs> and you can just did... have a you can have a blast with this right, you can try this other one and type in just about anything and it will pull books these are all books that are open source uh there are all books in public domain um oh. and there's the whole book is there and this is one of the ways that public domain is just fun so oh this may be it yeah this is a great great dis distractor and it's um, not it nuts okay and then finally, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, Harry McCracken was talking about um, keeping alive a site that he's been posting to for uh, over a decade and how it was running out. And he didn't want this resource to just go away. So what he did is um, he downloaded all of the stuff. And some of it is dependent upon old plugins or old applications or old web um, structures that are no longer in place. And I thought it was neat because he mentioned using SiteSucker to download all of the um, material as flat HTML files. And I was like, SiteSucker? <laughs> I, I remember SiteSucker. I haven't used that in literally over a decade. Um, and it's like, that's still around. Son of a gun, it's still around. Um, so you can you can check out SiteSucker. Um, but there is just a kind of a reminder that there is a way to download web pages as if, if you need them or want them. Uh, most of us rely on Internet Archive, but, they're, uh, but you can download it if you want, um, if you want stuff. Um, you can download it and there's tools out there to help you with that. The tools that you need to find are available over at middleschoolmatters.com. We've got all the show notes. Sean is currently off looking at weird old books. So if mm -hmm. you want to join want Sean and looking at weird old books, the link is there at middleschoolmatters.com as well. We'd love it if you'd tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues about the show. And of course, to uh, subscribe wherever you want to subscribe. Um, and with the um, with the sun setting of like Google Podcasts and some other things, we may be adding in a few other sites for you as well. So look on that. But wherever you get your uh, podcast, give us a five star re review. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. And we will see you in a couple of weeks as we'll be off next week. Um, but you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.